Welcome everyone to the Sight Beyond Sight podcast, where we look beyond the surface, diving deeper into life's issues. I am Mike Brown, your health and wellness coach. And as always, I would like to thank you all for choosing to spend the next few minutes of your life with me. I know that you could be doing other things or listening to someone else, but you chose to tune in to the Sight Beyond Sight podcast. And for that, I am very, very grateful. And I am also grateful that you decided to listen and tune in to the uh, last episode of the second season of the Sight Beyond Sight podcast. And man, this was a long time coming. We had some ups and downs and it's here though. And I'm telling you, this episode is going to be awesome. It's explosive. It's something that we haven't really done before, but we are going back in time and going back over different episodes and, and getting the meat and potatoes from the episodes of what we've covered this year. And then we're going to journey into the present and then also into the future. So please hang in there with me, sit back, relax, put your thinking caps on, and let's get ready to rock and roll with this. Well, guys, like I said in the intro, um, this season was very trying. It was up and down, up and down, and up and down. It was a roller coaster ride. It was very trying. There were so many obstacles. It felt like every week there was something uh, in my way, hindering me creating an episode or or putting something on hold or there was some adversity that was being faced. Didn't always talk about it because I didn't want to air out all that business or whatnot uh, because the show must go on. So there were some delays at times and there were some hiccups, but I thank you guys for for bearing with me and for striding this thing out with me. And now we have crossed the finish line and I'm telling you, this stuff has prepared me for the third season. And I'm telling you, we're going to take a little week off. And I know I've, I've done that in the past, but this is just going to be a week in the beginning of October, the first Friday of October. We're going to start this thing, third season, the right way, getting it off the ground, up and running, and having weekly uh, episodes All right, every Friday. And uh, that's going to be an awesome thing. We have a lot of things lined up. I've learned a lot of things, and I've also learned some things that um, will help present a better show for you guys. And so, you know, it's always a learning process. It is always a learning process. So through your adversity, you can always sit back and say, what can I take from this? What can I take from this? What can I learn? How can I apply what I've gone through to my life and to better myself? You know, sometimes it's easy to take that uh woe is me type of attitude and why is this happening to me? And I'm saying, I'm not saying I'm I'm perfect on that, but we don't want to linger in that mindset. So maybe something happens and you, and you think to yourself, man, this is absolutely bananas. Why is this happening right now? Why is this happening to me? I've worked so hard to work against any kind of adversity. I've, I thought I had all my I's dotted and my T's crossed. I thought I had everything in order, but now I am facing this adverse situation. You know, that's going to happen to us a lot. That's happening to us daily. I mean, all you freshwater warriors, this is not new news. This is something that you are going through daily. So I say to you, keep the fight. Know that you have allies. You have to know that you have allies. You know, there were times where I felt like I was alone and I knew better than to think something like that. But it, it's a trap of the enemy 
And it's something that we have to fight against. And that's why we have to stay armored up. That's why we have to keep our armor from head to toe on us. We cannot go out thinking that we don't need our sword because everything seems cool. We can't go out thinking that we don't need our chest plate because everything seems pretty calm. Or maybe you have gone into battle and you've succeeded against adversity over and over and over again. So you think that you don't need your helmet, but I tell you that is another trick of the enemy. That is another trick of the enemy. They want you to go in with some sort of weak link so they can have an opportunity or a fighting chance to defeat you because they know if you are fully armored, you are virtually impossible to defeat. So please stay armored up. Don't get lax. Don't get too comfortable. Because that's when adversity likes to strike. She rears her ugly head. And she comes with her army ready to take you down. And if you are not prepared, you could be taken down, held hostage. And we don't want that. But with all that being said, we are here and... We have persevered, and we are at the final episode of the second season. Who would have thought? Who would have thought there would be two seasons of the Sight Beyond Sight podcast? This is awesome. And now we're heading strong into our third season, and all we're doing is creating an environment where we can talk about issues, where we can learn about uh, different issues and see different perspectives Uh, hear different perspectives, and then apply them to our lives. This isn't about being, um, you know, always right. We're not always right. But we're learning different things, and we're learning different ways to handle different things in different situations. And I tell you, that's an awesome thing. So let's move right along with this thing. So the second season, we started out with a three-part series called The Path Getting Out of Your Own Way. And in the first episode, we identified and defined what is the path of fulfillment. Then we talked about reasons why we stray from the path in the second episode. So what is the path of fulfillment? What does it lead to? Well, the path of fulfillment leads to peace, love, and joy. And that is what we all seek. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you're from. I don't care um, what your beliefs are. As humans, we all seek some sort of peace, love, and joy in our lives. Now, maybe you're going through a spell where nothing feels like it's going right. Or maybe you feel like you've given up. Or maybe you feel like um, this is you're just destined to be unhappy. But... Ultimately, you desire peace, love, and joy. Maybe you're at a point where you don't know uh, quite the path on how to get there, but the path remains that you desire peace, love, and joy. So that is what we touched on in the first episode. And the second episode, we touched on why do we stray from the path? If we know that the path of fulfillment leads to peace, love, and joy, Why are we straying from this path when we were heading down the correct path in the first place? What makes us stray from that path? Why on earth would we be deterred? You know, why would we 
even think about looking the other way or journey or not journey, but taking a journey down another path. Why? Why? And we went deep into that in the second episode on the path, getting out of your own way. So we're going to take a listen to a couple of clips here. The first clip will be from the first episode about the path and what it is. And then it would lead right into the second episode of why we stray. Go ahead and take a listen. So what is the path? What does this path lead to? How can I stay on this path of fulfillment? And how can I leave the path of unfulfillment? See, these are some of the questions that we're going to be discussing over the next few weeks. But I want you to take a moment to think about this. Have you ever been in a situation where you were on a path and you knew in your heart that this path was just it? You you had a plan for it. All your T's were crossed. All your I's were dotted. Everything was set forth to go on this path. You were ready to tackle any kind of adversity because you had plans A, B, and C and as backup just in case one should falter. You felt like this plan was bulletproof in that there was nothing that was going to stop you from moving ahead on this path. And so you start the journey on this path and then all of a sudden it happens. It happens. What is this it? Well, this it is you begin to realize that your plan was good, but not good enough. That your ex execution was there, but your vision may have been skewed or even worse, you realize that you were on the wrong path all along. And that's what we're gonna touch on. We are talking about when you realize that you were on the wrong path all along, right? Have you ever experienced that? You were so sure that this path was it for you. You were supposed to be there. You had thought that you thought about every potential outcome. Even if there were some stumbling blocks, you were able to get past them and keep pressing forward on this path, only to find out that this path was indeed the incorrect path the whole time. Now think about that. Take some time to think about what did you do when you were faced with that decision to make? to keep pressing forward or to abort the mission, what did you do? Did you keep moving forward? What happened? How did you make these decisions? Did you say, you know what, I gotta take a step back? What made you take a step back? This is what we're gonna discuss. I would think that the majority of us have been faced with a similar situation like this, and we generally address this situation in one or two ways, and we've already, touched on it. Either we keep pressing ahead towards the path, even though we know that it is not the correct path, or we step back and we abort the mission. So let me begin with the most common thing or the common, most common reaction, I should say, that I've seen throughout my coaching career. When we come to the realization that there are holes in our plans and we may be headed down the wrong path, we have a tendency to fight harder to save that plan, ignoring those red flags. And that's what we're going to be talking about. We're not talking about when you have to make adjustments 
or you just are met with a, a simple adversity and you can get past it. We're, we're talking about those instances when you know that you are on the wrong path, but yet you start to head down it anyway. And now at this time, some of you may be thinking to yourself, now, why would someone do that? Why would someone blatantly go down a path that they know is wrong? Why would they do something that they knew was wrong? Or you might be thinking to yourself, if that were me, I wouldn't even stay on that path. I would have got off of that path a long time ago. I would have recognized those red flags and that would have been enough for me. But these, this is the moment where we have to stop ourselves and ask ourselves, what are we searching for? What does the path of fulfillment lead to? And I can sum up what we desire most in our lives in three words. I would say that the path of fulfillment leads to peace, love, and joy. You would imagine that the path of unfulfillment leads to the opposite. Chaos, hate, depression, despair. So why do we stray? So why do we stay on the path that leads to chaos, depression, despair, a loss of hope? Why do we stay on that path? The attitude of, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to disregard all instruction and do it my way. I know better, so I'm going to do it my way because you don't know a thing. Blatant disobedience. You know, how do you feel when your child is disobedient? And sometimes worse, you start thinking about what's wrong with me? What did I do wrong? Why were they disobedient? Did I not explain this enough? Did I make them angry? So you start questioning yourself, but sometimes you've done everything correctly. And sometimes people are just disobedient. Sometimes your child is just going to be disobedient because they start thinking for themselves. They start thinking that they know the path. They start thinking that they know more and they know better, or maybe they have lost belief in, in the mission, or maybe they just want to explore, or maybe they just want to test you. Who knows what it is, but disobedience is another reason why we will stray from the path. Think back to the reasons that we already covered. We have a skewed perspective, right? A skewed perspective makes you stray from the path because you think that you should be at a certain place or you thought that your task was gonna be greater than what it was and it wasn't. And so you say, you know what? Maybe this isn't the path for me. And then you have lack of instant gratification. You know, it's taken too long for me to see the fruits of my labor. I'm going to stray from this path. I just don't know if this is right for me anymore. I've been doing this and it, I've been getting a lot of good results. I, I feel good about myself. I, I've experienced peace, love, and joy, and I, I've experienced it in abundance. But you know what? This path isn't so fun anymore. I don't have the same fire that I once had when I began this journey. So maybe if I go to a different path, I might rekindle that fire that I once had and that I once felt. And then we have disobedience. Disobedience leads us off the, off the path because we think that we know better. And then we become disobedient and we stray from the path. And we'll wrap this up with defiance. Defiance, the attitude of I'm going to rally the troops and overtake the management and show them 
how wrong they are because I know better. So now you're with defiance, you're dragging other people in with you. You're taking other people off the path, taking them on a new path, leading them astray. You had such a, a magnetic personality that you convinced everybody else that you were so right. You rallied the troops and now you have led everybody off the path. And when you put everything together, these five reasons why we stray from the path of fulfillment encompass this one reason, and that is that we have a perceived need that we feel is not being met. Once again, we have a perceived need that we feel is not being met. So to, to put this in layman's terms, we feel that the grass is greener on another path. Now, what is this need? When you're on the path that leads to joy, love, and peace, what else could you need? Just as difficult as it is for someone to leave the path of despair and chaos, it is equally difficult for someone to stay on the path that leads to peace, love, and joy. Some of the needs that lead us astray are fear. Maybe we are afraid to keep moving down the path because we know that we're about to face adversity that is more than what we think or want to handle. Not feeling as loved as you think you should. Maybe the people aren't loving you the right way. And then there's the dreaded money. Maybe you feel you're not being compensated enough for the things that you're doing. And then there's good old fashioned distractions. Maybe we have lost sight of the why and we have focused our energy elsewhere, leaving an opening for these distractions to lead us astray. When we recognize that one of our freshwater warriors has strayed from the path, it is easy to point fingers, blame and shame them for their decision. It is easy to judge and shun them for falling short. As a freshwater warrior, we must not forget our why. And our why is to be the freshwater that heals in a salty environment. We are not here to judge or tear down individuals, but instead we are here to guide, heal, and uplift those who may have succumbed to the feeling of internal needs not being met. For the freshwater warriors that have strayed from the path of fulfillment, the path that leads to peace, love, and joy, I have good news for you. You don't have to continue to live in shame or fear because the good news is that you are equipped with the knowledge and wisdom to know how to get back on that path that leads to what we desire. You've already been on that path before. You've navigated the path deep enough that you know where the traps lie. You know how to get past those roadblocks. You see, my friend, you have once navigated the path and the path still remains wide open for you to return to it. And those were some clips from The Path Getting Out of Your Own Way. Mm. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, things can get kind of crazy with the path, you know. Uh, it, it can seem so clear and it can seem like everything is going your way, but there's always something waiting for you, some kind of trap waiting for you. And we must be aware of these traps so we don't fall for them. So we went into the uh, third episode of The Path Getting Out of Your Own Way, and we finished that up with a powerful feature from Darren Parker. Now, in this episode, he explains to all of us freshwater warriors how we can stay on the path of fulfillment. So let's take a listen to what Darren Parker has to say about how we can stay 
on the path of fulfillment. So you mentioned those three things, faith, hope, and vision. Vision. Uh, I want you to expand on each of those topics, but I want you to first start with faith and hope and why we need those in our lives. Okay. Well, everyone has faith. It's not something you have to go out and get. It's something that is you're born with. And we live our lives by every day. When we go to work, we um, have faith that our job is going to be there. We uh when we go to the bank, we expecting we have faith that that paycheck from the job is going to be in the bank. And at its most basic level, uh, we ex- we have faith that we're going to wake up every day and start a new day and start a fresh day. But when we put our faith in a power that is greater in us, it has an impact on our lives and others that we know. Faith is seeing as God sees, seeing as God believes, and living as God lives. I know this sounds like impossible, but if created in the image of God and we represent God, then we are able to see as God sees life, believe as God believes, and to live as God lives. And I'm not telling you to have faith in yourself because we all have weaknesses and we all have strengths and fears and doubts. But every one of us need help to achieve these unmet desires. We need faith in someone who knows our potential. We need faith in someone who knows the good and bad about us and won't condemn us for it. We need faith in somebody that knows our strengths and weaknesses and won't criticize us about it. We need faith in someone who won't, won't let us quit or give up. We need faith in someone that won't abandon us on our weakest hour. Someone that will, that has the power and ability to meet our unmet desires. And you can accomplish all of this with the help of God. After you you believe that God wants to help you and that God loves you, um, that gives you hope to know that you can accomplish uh, the path to fulfillment. You can accomplish unmet desires. If you have faith, uh, if you have the foundation of faith in God, you can basically achieve anything. There's a biblical principle I'm going to share. I'm sharing biblical principles because it's not a, the Bible is not about religion and it's not about church going to church. Truly what the Bible is, is the principles of God about how to live a fulfilled life. That's what the Bible truly is, how to live a fulfilled life. And it gives you the biblical principles so that God can help you live that fulfilled life. And so hope give us that expectancy that for a better tomorrow, for a greater life, that we can fulfill our dreams. We can't obtain fulfillment without hope. Hope is an expectancy that your dreams, your unmet desires, and that you will be able to get on that path to fulfillment and achieve it. And with God, we know that nothing is impossible. So if you want to keep moving on and expanding, um, and moving towards the vision. I'm curious about that one as well. Okay. Uh, Now we get the vision. Now you have faith in God and you don't need a whole lot of faith. You don't need uh, a a pastor type faith. You don't need a church person type faith. You just need faith in God. Just believe. And then when you have that, you can, can hope and you know that God can do anything. Now you have those two foundations. This is where now fulfillment can never be obtained without vision and vision it comes from God. 
That is why we need God unmet desires. You see a lot of people that have accomplished a lot of great things in life. And you look at them and you wonder how they got it. And they can tell you all this road to success and they can give you seven steps. But I'm going to tell you one thing that every uh, God gave them a vision. God is the one. God is the one visionary. We're created in his image and God is the one vision. Gave them that imagination. Gave them that idea. That came from him. And so they took that vision and they ran with it. They may say that they are visionary, but all vision comes from God. That is why uh, and all vision is spiritual. It is something that comes because God is a spirit. And we know that all vision has to be spiritual because God is a spirit. God has a tailor-made vision for every person. A tailor-made vision specifically for you and that he wants you to fulfill. That will lead you to that path of fulfillment. And I'm once again, I'm not talking religion. I'm not talking church. I'm We then question the idea of wealth and its true meaning. What does it mean to have an abundance of wealth? Does that mean that you have an abundance of monetary wealth? Or is there a deeper meaning that we have been overlooking? I thought about this for, for about a week or two. And I was thinking there has to be something deeper to the, the definition of wealth. And we took a nice, long dive into what the meaning of wealth is. And we discussed how David defined wealth in this episode called Wealth, What If We Got It All Wrong? In this clip, you're going to listen to David's last words to his son Solomon. And he defined wealth and how to maintain wealth with his last words. Let's take a listen. I'm going to read to you David's last words to his son Solomon before handing over the keys to the kingdom. All right. And this is very important with what he says. We know about last words. When we say our last words, we want it to have value. We want it to stick. We want whoever is listening to pay attention and not just pay attention, but to utilize what we are saying and apply it to their life. I kind of imagine this would be similar to me handing my son the keys to a uh, Shelby GT 500 and giving him my last words of advice. And I can guarantee you that I'm going to say more than be careful, good luck, or you got this. You know, I'm going to say something that is going to, that he's going to grab a hold of. So he's able to enjoy this car for years to come and bring the car and himself home in one piece. And this is what David was doing before handing over the kingdom to his son, Solomon. So I'm going to read to you out of 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. And this is David speaking. I'm about to go the way of all the earth, he said. So be strong, act like a man, and observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience to him and keep his decrees and commands. Do this so that you may prosper in all you do and wherever you go. Notice David never mentioned money. He never mentioned kingdoms. He never mentioned possessions or any material wealth. He didn't even mention 
power or status. Instead, he mentioned being obedient and following the commands and decrees of God. And once again, this is not about religion or church. This is about life and its principles. So what can we take from this? What can we take from this message that David delivered to his son before giving him the responsibility of the kingdom that he once ruled over? David was considered a great king, and he gave his final words to his son. And David never mentioned money, kingdoms, possessions, material wealth. He didn't mention power or status. Instead, he mentioned being obedient and following the commands and and decrees of God. So this must have been very important for David to deliver this as his last message to his son, Solomon, who was about to take over this kingdom. And when you look back at the message, there was no fluff, no wavering, none of that. It was direct, straightforward, but most of all, it was the truth. David wanted to tell his son the truth about wealth so that he could have a clear path to prospering in life. The heart was defined in the episode Wealth. What if we got it all wrong? It was a foreshadowing for the episode that followed titled, Where's Your Heart At? In this clip, I present to you a heart trap to avoid for all you fresh water warriors. Take a listen. You know, there is one thing um, that I want to share with you, and there is a trap, a familiar trap that is out there waiting for you freshwater warriors, and I want you to to be aware of it, and I want you to know how to uh, defend against it, because it's a trap that will get you sucked in, and then it'll be almost impossible for you to come back out of it. And... Like I said earlier, through all of the trials and through all of the tribulations, you will be discouraged. There there will be times where you will be angry. There will be times where you just want to give up. There will be times you want to yell and scream and pull out your own hair. There will be times where you feel uh, like you question yourself on what am I doing here? Why am I doing this? It will happen. But this is where the trap is. See, the trap makes you think, okay, in order for me to help someone with their heart and heart, maybe the only way I can do this is if I harden my heart too. So little by little with each time you have a negative experience during your sessions or negative experience communicating with someone with their heart and heart, you you build up that resentment and then your heart gets hardened just a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And then before you know it, your heart is just as hard as the next person that you were trying to help. And now you're on their side, you're on their team, looking at the world from a, a, a nasty perspective, looking at things from a hopeless perspective. And you're trying to figure out how I got here. Now you're trying to figure out how do I get out of this? And then that's where the shame comes in, because you'll say, I knew better. Wait, how, I was the one teaching other people and helping other people. And now I'm not doing that. Now I'm just like them with a heart and heart. See, that's the trap. I want you guys to know that. No, 
you keep your heart exposed. You don't have to harden your heart in order to save a hardened heart. No, that's not how it works. So the resentments that you are building up, leave them. The anger that you were, you were building up, let it out. Let it out appropriately. And then reset and go back into the battle. In the episode, Are You Invested in the Right Market? We dive right into the issue of why you should invest in yourself. Go ahead and see why you should be investing in yourself right now. And that's a beautiful feeling. You know that when you're feeling anxious and overwhelmed, that you know what, I don't, I don't have to feel that way. I got it. I got a way out of this. When you're feeling down on yourself because you feel like you've fallen short, you look at yourself and you, you look back in your back pocket and say, hey, I got this. You know what? I am worth it. I am worth the investment. And you know what? I did invest in myself and look what I learned. And it was worth it. I'm telling you, we have to start investing in ourselves. When you invest in yourself, you will become a better parent. You will become a better friend. You will become a better employee or a better entrepreneur. You will become a better overall being. You will, be, you will understand yourself a lot better. And who doesn't want that? I can't name one person who, who's saying, nah, I don't want that. I'm good. I don't want that. Who's saying that? If you can find me one person who's saying that and truly mean, meaning it and living out that life, like, mm, I don't care, man. I'm, I'm cool. I don't want better. I don't want to feel good about myself. Then you're going to have to show me them. Because no one in there, no one goes around saying and meaning it that, you know, I don't want my life to be better. You know what? I want to wake up and be as stressed to the max as I can. And you know what? I live for that. Who's waking up saying that? (laughs) You know, that's pretty ridiculous. So this is what I'm saying. Invest in yourself. You are worth it. You are worth it. And I think, once again, that is the most difficult barrier that I face as a health and wellness coach. And you know what? I, I Every last one of us, people are just beautiful. People are beautiful. I just sit back. I, I love my job because I get to sit back and hear all of these stories and listen to all these beautiful accomplishments and these these beautiful examples of living. And it's just baffling to me. I, I get to hear how resilient people are. I get to hear how strong people are. I, I get to hear these stories of, of things that they've done and things that they've seen, things that I wouldn't even imagine. And it's just awesome to me. And every time I hear that, I'm like, man, you know what? I don't think they realize how strong they are. I don't think they realize how awesome they are. I don't think they realize they're talking about this as if it's nothing. 
I don't think they realize just how much of a survivor they are. I don't think they realize how much of an impact they've had on someone else's life. I don't think they realize how special they are. I don't think they realize their gifts that they have to offer. And man, if they tapped into that, if they tapped into themselves and invested in themselves just a little bit, do you know how many more lives that they can impact just by saying hi to a person in the in, at the mall or at the store, or at the gas station and having a small conversation and sending them off with a, a word of encouragement? Do they know the impact that they can truly have? See, a lot of people look at other people and say, you know what, I wanna be like them, I wanna do what they do. They are able to impact the lives of others and I wanna be like that. But you know what, we all have it in within ourselves. We have it, we just haven't tapped into it yet. And so maybe you need to invest in a health and wellness coach to help you tap into that. But you're worth that investment. Maybe you've just been looking through things from a, a tunnel vision. Maybe you haven't stepped outside of the box. Maybe you're afraid to step outside of the box. Maybe you're afraid to step into the box. Whatever it may be, just know that you are worth the investment. And I'm being so serious about this. See, this isn't about, this isn't about money. This is about, hey, I'm going to wake up every day and I'm going to say, you know what? I'm worth it. If I were to ask you, what is the scariest weapon on earth? Many would shout some form of nuclear weapon, some nuclear bomb. Maybe some would refer to the A-bomb. But what if I suggested that there is a weapon that is more powerful than a nuclear bomb? Would you believe me? Probably not, but take a listen and you may be shocked about what I consider to be the scariest weapon of war. So when the battle was over and the soldiers were trying to find some way to relax, it was the responsibility of the musicians to play tunes that would help ease the tension of battle. When the morale was low, I imagined that they would play tunes that would make them want to rejoice and gather together to boost the morale. But when it was time for battle, they played music that was deep in bass tones. They played tunes that got you fired up to go out and do your job, knowing that you may not live to see the results. This is the power of music. It's always been powerful. This is why music is a weapon Music has always had the power to influence. Music will influence your current mood. It will influence your thoughts. Music can tap into those feelings that were once hidden. You know how you're sitting there sometimes and you're feeling all right and you listen to a song and it makes you feel a certain way because it takes you back to a certain period in your life or it takes you back to a certain moment in time. Whether it was sad or whether it was happy, it doesn't matter. That song takes you back. Now, it could be the lyrics. It could be the melodies. It could be the rhythms. Whatever it may be, something about that song took you back to that moment. Moments that were once hidden. Moments that were forgotten. 
but you heard this song and it brought it all out again. And it was almost like you were reliving that moment. That's the power of music. Music can make you smile and dance. It can make you feel, music can make you feel like you want to release all your inner rage at times. You've seen that at concerts. I mean, think about it. Have you ever seen anybody rage out at a Frank Sinatra concert? No, because that's not what he's trying to, to do. That's not the population or the atmosphere that he's trying to present to people. But man, when you go to a hard rock concert and you see the, the people in the stands, in the mosh pits, breaking chairs, pushing each other, going all out, yelling and screaming, screaming out the lyrics. I mean, that's the reason. That is what the musicians were looking for. They wanted that response. And they were able to get that response from thousands of people at the same time by playing this certain tune. Music can be like a time machine and take you back to that special moment that we were talking about. Music can also help you be creative. It can open up a creative side that you never knew was there. And it can, music can also speak to you and understand your deepest emotions without you saying a word. Think about that. Music is like therapy at times. How many times have you heard that? I love music because it is like therapy for me. It is therapeutic for me. It gets me out of my current state. It gets me out of my own head. It calms me down. That is the power of music. In the episode called, What Are You Running From? I urge all you freshwater warriors to change your definition of failure. Take a listen and see if there's something that you can apply to your life about your definition of failure and how you can change that definition to benefit you for moving forward in your life. The leader of that project isn't necessarily out of touch with reality. This leader understands that not every idea or every plan is going to be the best plan. Even if you do everything possible to prevent any failure, the plan just might falter and eventually fail. That's just a part of life. The leader's idea of failure is different than your idea of failure. The leader is looking at the situation like this. If I tried my best and things didn't go as planned, I will learn from it and I will keep moving forward. How can I fail if I gave my all trying? I'm gonna say that again. How can I fail if I gave my all trying? Say it one more time. How can I fail if I gave my all trying? Now, say it with reflecting on yourself. Say it with some bass in your voice. How can I fail if I gave my all trying? You know what I mean? And think about that. How can you fail if you tried? If you gave your best effort, is that failure? No. 
We see it all the time with prize fighters, boxers, mixed martial artists. We see it all the time. Most of those guys, matter of fact, you know, a few uh, a few days ago, I was watching some mixed martial arts. And, uh, you know, when you look at all the fighters' records, most of them have a few losses. There's very few that are have a perfect record. And some people look at that perfect record as perfection. And if you have a blemish on that record, you know, a loss, then you are a failure. But that's not always the case. Because there was a fighter who had 20 wins and three losses. And I ask you, is he a failure because of those losses? Should he have stopped fighting because his record was not perfect? So after his first loss, should he have hung everything up and said, I quit, I'm no good? Should he have stopped making goals to accomplish his dreams because he feared he would lose again? You know, this particular fighter was the reigning champion of his division. And if he had quit, he would have never been called a champion. We had a little change of pace when Diamond Denny Dobbins joined me on the Sight Beyond Sight podcast. He is truly a man of many talents and interests, and it's always a good time talking with Diamond Denny. Even though we share a difference in opinions, we always have good conversations and he always has an interesting perspective that is noteworthy. Listen to Diamond Denny Dobbins talk about outer space in the episode called Life on Mars, Exotic Moon Vacations, UFOs. What is your belief? You guys, check this out. This is where this is where space gets a little crazy for me, okay? 2027. It's not far away. It's not far away. You can book your flight at the Space Hotel on the moon for $5 million. You can, <laughs> you can go stay at the Space Hotel on the moon. It's supposed to uh, feature gourmet restaurant, bar, villas for purchase, and more on the moon. You know, I hate flying to Denver. I, I <laughs> <laughs> Now, is this a SpaceX and Bezos thing? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure it might be a part of that. I mean, they're the only ones I know who would have the funds to do something like this. Yeah, why are the two Yeah, richest, it is SpaceX. That's like my big question about this is uh, why are the two uh, richest people in the world making their own space programs to try and escape it? Are we uh, just done for and they're not saying anything to us? They know something we don't. That may be, but I don't think I want to hitch that ride anyway. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> you know, like $5 million. $5 million and you might get Apollo 13. But it, Well, exactly. And here, here's the thing. They, they said invest $5 million. So what does that mean? Invest. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, that means that, I mean, if it's an investment, not a purchase, I mean, then you might be able to lose all your money. Exactly. And this just could be a part of their grift. Here's my question. This is where I begin to question outer space. Who's going to build it? No kidding. Who's building it? Can so, if someone can logically give me an answer <laughs> on who's building it, <laughs> then I might listen. But this, when I see stuff like this, I mean, in 2027, 
Yeah, I, I doubt the Carpenters Union is going to be uh, sending their uh, uh, employees to the moon anytime soon. I, I bet they're just going to send up 3D printers. Oh, 3D, By 2027, you're telling me we're not going to have 3D printers that we could just ship up there and they can move themselves around and print houses? Oh, wow. Or even a hotel on something bigger? Wow. You know, I mean, that's all fine and dandy, but if they're going to have 3D printers on the moon printing houses, why don't they start in, like, uh, Council Bluffs and print <laughs> 3D houses for our homeless population? <laughs> right, right, <laughs> exactly. right. I, I don't know. That's just wild for me. And then... I mean, it sounds like it's a one-way ticket to me. I mean, I'm not, I'm not trusting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, once again, what's the ex, what's the exit strategy here? Like, uh, <laughs> are we? Is this a week, or are we staying for a few days? Or yeah. like, what are we doing here? How do we load back up and get back out? What are you, what are you doing? You know, I, that's the stuff that makes me question a space hotel in six years. Six years on the moon. And I'm, yeah, that's. Um... I don't know. If I had the money, I'd probably sign up if it was a guaranteed trip just because I'm guaranteed, well, guaranteed one way. <laughs> <laughs> guaranteed one way. Yeah, I would invest $5 million, But, you well, know, just I'd probably do it, you know, take a bunch of Xanax and get on the spaceship and go to space. And The following clip is from the episode called Three Reasons Why You Aren't Accomplishing Your Goals. In this clip, we discuss the first and most critical step in accomplishing your goal, and it is the most important step, but often overlooked. This is a step that cannot be overlooked, and it must be done. It's so simple, but yet so difficult. It's the reason why most of us struggle to accomplish our goals. Take a listen. So as we think about this topic, I want you to think about a, a goal that you have tried to accomplish that you're probably in the middle of trying to accomplish. And maybe you haven't taken those steps towards uh, making strides to accomplishing this goal. I want you to really think about what has truly been stopping you. I think about in meetings, you know, when you're in a business meeting or you're in a a team meeting of some sort, there's always some goal that you're trying to accomplish. Nine times out of 10, there is a goal. And I know that we can lose focus in those meetings because they tend to be pretty drawn out, dry, exhausting, and just quite frankly, boring. However, we're trying to accomplish a goal. So usually there's some sort of outline, some sort of uh, data that suggests the reasons why we should move in this path. And then we uh, lay out how it's going to, how this goal is going to be set and how we're going to accomplish this step by step. Then you split up your team. Some people are responsible for this. Some people are responsible for that. And then hopefully the idea is that everybody gives their best effort and everything comes together and you accomplish your goal. But it works a little differently when it's just you on a personal level. When it's just you, you are the one that's holding yourself accountable. When you're on a team, you have other teammates holding you accountable. Your work and your effort impacts your team. And so if you are lagging behind and you're not putting in your best effort and you're hindering the process, of moving forward, you will be called out 
for your lackluster performance. And that's just the, the bottom line with that. But man, when you are working by yourself, setting goals, whew, you don't have to be accountable. We say we're going to hold ourselves accountable. We say that if we start to veer off the path that we can get back on the path. We say those things. We say that, you know what? I'm very dedicated and I really want to accomplish this. There's nothing that's going to steer me away from this goal. And you see it happen every time. Now, part of the reason is, is because you are solo. You don't have anyone holding you accountable. But another part of the reason is because we're missing three steps out of the equation of accomplishing your goal. So we'll start with number one. The first thing that we mess up on is we don't write it down. I'm telling you, this is so easy to do. And it is just bonkers how many people don't write down their goals. And it is necessary. You cannot skip this step. You have to do it. You have to take five seconds to write down your goal. And that right there is going to tell me if you are willing to take these steps to accomplish your goal. Because if you're not willing to sacrifice five seconds to write down your goal, how on earth are you willing to sacrifice anything else greater than five seconds to accomplish your goal? And then finally, I had to address the elephant in the room. I tried to avoid it. But the topic kept coming up no matter what I was doing, no matter where I was at. I found myself talking about racism. I found myself getting asked questions about my thoughts on racism. So I finally discussed some of my thoughts on racism in the episode called How to Win the Race Against Racism. Let's listen to this message to all of you freshwater warriors. This was written in a manner that addressed all men. But as we know, during the year of 1776, not all men were viewed as equal. Even before the Declaration of Independence was written, not all men were viewed as equal. And now centuries have passed, and yet not all men are viewed as equal. Maybe it's not a handout that minorities are asking for. Maybe they are asking to be included in those words of the Declaration of Independence. To be viewed as a man that has inherited the same rights that cannot be taken away. To be viewed as a man who can fight for those rights just like everyone else. To live by the same set of laws without fear of those laws changing depending on the person who pulls them over. To have these truths that are self-evident applied to their lives. To be able to pursue life, liberty, and happiness. According to the Declaration of Independence, these are not handouts. These are rights that are accessible and available to everyone and cannot be taken away. The last question that we will discuss is this. Every time I engage in a conversation about racism, I am always asked about what am I going to do about it? 
And for the longest time, I felt like I needed to have some awesome speech to present when faced with that question. I've spent countless hours formulating a plan of action that would eliminate racism. But then one day it hit me. I had one of those aha moments that we've talked about. And I realized that with every conversation that I have, I am doing something about it. Whether I was talking to friends, colleagues, or strangers, I was doing something about it. I've had plenty of talks with people who viewed themselves as racist. I've worked in their homes. I've worked with them side by side, and sometimes they were my neighbors. And when I engaged in those conversations, I was doing something about it. So now the question becomes, what are you going to do about it? Don't be afraid to ask that question in return. What are you going to do about it? And if you should receive a response that sounds like this, well, it's not my problem, I'm not a minority, then you know that there is a lot of work to do. One conversation may not produce the desired outcome of greater social awareness. It may take many more conversations. It may not be you to change the tide. It may be someone else, but as long as you're planting that seed, we're moving forward. What are you going to do about it? You see, the majority is not exempt from this topic that has plagued America for so long. In fact, the majority has access to be a greater influence and promote a change of heart. And this is because they are in the homes where racism is taught. They, are, they have immediate access to get to the root of the problem so that things can be changed. When we all make a conscious effort to get to the root of the problem, then the question becomes, what are we going to do about it? And that is the real question. What are we going to do about it? Racism can end today if we wanted it to. The cure for racism is not a secret. It's never been a secret. It's been hidden in plain sight. But there's a big but. It has been easily ignored. Racism hasn't ended because it's profitable. It's divisive. It's a way to control. Some view it as a sense of pride and privilege. But the main reason why it, it continues is because people are afraid to confront it. It was a long time coming, but Nate George, a good friend of mine, joined the Site Beyond Site podcast and he brought the heat with him. And we had talked about this for months and months and months and finally we connected and it took some time you know it's not easy to connect i don't care how good of friends you are or how close you live to each other i don't care if you're next door neighbors getting your schedules to mesh so they are on the same path it's very very difficult i don't know if it's because of the day and age but i know that we both lead busy lives but finally finally it happened. And you know what? I was told to never trust a man with two first names, but Nate is opposite. He is definitely a man of truth and he is a man of honor and he is a man that is out for the good of other men. So listen to what Nate has to say about being selfless in the 14th episode called Comparing Jealousy and Selflessness. I can't stress it enough that looking in the mirror as a human is one of the most difficult things for us to do. 
because we don't like that image uh, is, is, is one of the reasons why these issues that have been plaguing our country has been going on for so long because we are afraid to look in that mirror. We are afraid to look at the history and say, you know what, this was bad, but it doesn't have to be like this. Instead, we try to ignore it and hope that it just goes away. And then the minute someone starts to talk about these issues, it, it hits you to the core because mm -hmm. maybe you feel a certain way. Maybe you agree, maybe you disagree, but it's hitting you at a different level because you are seeing a reflection of yourself and the ugliness of the history. I tell you, you know, 2020 was, uh, it was an eye opener because of what you said, the lack of grace, the lack of compassion, the lack of empathy, mm. the lack of empathy. It was a very, very selfish year. Very. Very selfish year. All you heard about was me, 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 me. Well, I'm not doing that because it's not going to benefit me or I don't want to do that. I'm not sacrificing that because of my fears or because that's not what I want. But when you're in an occupation of service, it goes back to what you were saying. You have to put others before you. If you want to see progression, if you want to really have an impact on others, you have to put others before you. It's not saying to neglect yourself. It's saying, you know what, I understand right now uh, that I'm in an unfavorable position. It's not the position I wanted, but you know what, I'm here. But the good thing is I have the tools and the resources to, to maintain and to get past this. The people that are dependent on me don't. Mm -hmm. Oh, so, sure. So once you shut it down and you put yourself before them, who's going to give them those resources? Well, that's exactly it. I mean, one of the books of the Bible I've been in, uh, several of them, I've uh, been in Philippians and Colossians a ton, but it goes right back to this point. And the reason why I was turning my Bible while you're talking and I was listening, but this is, this has been on my mind. This was completely my focus this past year in school because it turned from i wasn't worrying so much about teaching what, what the lesson planning and teaching kids my focus was uh how to show other people christ and his power what he can do within you mm -hmm. in the midst of turmoil and chaos but it also turned from that to how to treat other people and i you know i don't want to keep bringing it up but you know when you did your episode on race you know, um, by all, by all statistics or whatever it is you want to say, we shouldn't be brothers. Right. I mean, if they, if you wanted to boil it down to that, I mean, we're getting like extremely real right here, mm -hmm. but I mean, I, I never looked at you like you're less, or I never looked at you like you're anything other than a human being. Cause you, cause we are all, and this is what this is again, goes back to that Ephesians. I was talking about chapter six, where it talks about our struggles not against flesh and blood, but the spiritual forces of darkness, because we're all made in the image of God. Every single one of us on this earth is made in the image of God. And so if I look at you and say, and make you less or treat you less and, and racism is a, again, it is a very ugly byproduct of sin that, mm -hmm. that just shows you the ugliness of the heart. What I talked about in Jeremiah. Yeah. It, I'm not talking about it. It's what God says. The heart is deceitful above all things and it's desperately sick. So that's, we treat it. And what, what is that? 
we treat other people differently because it makes us feel Feel better better. and more power and control. Right. And that, that is, that is one of the things that makes me probably one of the most angry is when you treat others in a way that is, makes them less than, than what they are. And so going back to the Philippians, chapter two, verse three, listen to this. Could you imagine if the world focused on this, uh, three and four, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. And then listen, this is, this is just, I got goosebumps. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also the interests of others. Could you imagine, Mike, if we had a world that was focused on that because do nothing with selfish or empty conceit? Okay, I'll just be the first to admit it because I'm not going to sit here like act like I'm holy and righteous because I'm one of the worst people when it comes to being selfish. Mm-hmm. Father's Day is coming up. And I want good stuff. I want, I want my good stuff. I, <laughs> I don't want the tie. <laughs> I gave my son sack last year because he gave me a 79 cent bag of sunflower seeds, like the little, the little small. Yeah. And I love sunflower seeds. I'm like, it's like, this is how much you love your dad. Yeah, you couldn't give me the big one. <laughs> That's funny. To this day, I still I was like, so you're going to give me some, uh, you're like, are you going to give me the $2 bag of sunflower right. seeds this time? <laughs> he goes, whatever, yeah. dad. But I mean, it's just one of those things where, you know, I don't know. I just think it's funny. Funny we do that, but it, we we want those things. But I'm selfish, and I can be conceited at times. And oh, woe was me. Oh, poor pitiful me. But the word that st- stands out is, but with humility. Humility mm-hmm. is such a. It's the polar opposite of pride. It's and mm-hmm. again, pride is is another one of those things that a byproduct of that is jealousy and comparing ourselves to others but humility is this is this is humility at its at its highest level i i nate i'm with you though what you just read those two scriptures are my favorite in the entire bible i have used that uh working with uh clients in treatment centers and shelters i've used it coaching uh, others one-on-one I've used it coaching football teams you know the, I just lean on that for everything because it spells out everything it's what you just said could you imagine a world where everybody was looking out for everybody else because once you look out for everybody else and you put others before you you're gonna be taken care of because you know what someone's gonna come around and do the same thing for you so, but it's hard for people to see that because we live in such a me, me, me world. Look at what I got. Look at what I'm doing. This doesn't benefit me. So I'm not going to do it. Well, how come I do all of this work and they get some of the pie too? I should get all of it. Right. I don't want to split anything. Who are you keeping in your inner circle? Are you hanging out with ambush predators, solitary roamers, peacemakers, or leeches? We have to be careful who we let into our circle, and I give all you freshwater warriors some insight on how to recognize who is trying to enter your circle and what their motives could possibly be. You can find the next clip in the episode called Walking the Jungle, Who Are You Keeping in Your Circle?
Now that we have discussed these four different types of people that you will eventually encounter, the question remains, who are you keeping in your inner circle? What type of people do you want to align yourself with? Are the people in your circle uplifting you, helping you grow as a person, or helping you evolve into a better you? Or are there some in your group waiting for an opportunity to ambush you, to take advantage of you? Are the ones closest to you slowly bleeding you out, not caring about the agony that they are putting you through? These are the questions that you need to be asking yourself. Who are you aligned with? As we've discussed, ambush predators are crafty. Oftentimes, we don't see their true intentions. However, if we remain alert and diligent in seeking the truth, their true nature will be revealed. In order to defeat an ambush predator, we have to remain focused and hold tight to the truth. We have to have more than one tool in our toolbox in order to face all of the tricks and that they will throw out to you and defeat the deception of an ambush predator. Leeches, on the other hand, are more difficult to face because of their unassuming nature. We think that we can overpower them. We think that they pose no threat because they are not a powerful being when met face to face. They're truly, truly chameleons because they are vicious ambush predators with no remorse. They can be family members or a close friend, which, which makes matters a hundred times more difficult because we keep thinking, okay, they wouldn't do this to me. I've seen them do this to other people over and over and over, but they wouldn't do this to me because I care so much about them. I love them. They wouldn't do this to me. But yet you find yourself bleeding to death at the hands of the leech that you are allowing in your circle. However, knowing that a leech will suck the life out of you, bleeding you, of all of your resources is enough to fear the smallest of prey. You have to defeat them by avoiding them at all costs. But if you should be in a relationship with the leech, you will have to show tough love and cut them off. In the big scheme of things, we should be aligning ourselves with peacemakers and solitary roamers. Now, we should be aligning ourselves with freshwater warriors that care, that are empathetic, that uplift, and that will look out for you in your best interest. Who are you aligning yourself with? We rounded out the season with an interview that was near and dear to my heart. My very own sister, Nikki Pickens, joined us on the Sight Beyond Sight podcast and opened up to all of us about her journey with cancer. And it was something that I know that all you freshwater warriors took some gems from, from what Nikki was saying and her story and applied it to your lives. I know I did for myself. And I'm telling you, this was something that she was hesitant to do. She didn't want to get too emotional. She wasn't sure if she was ready to tell her story. 
because it was so fresh. But yet she came in and she took over that interview and held it down. And here's the thing. She held it down. I was not feeling well that day, but I knew it was our chance. Once again, it was hard to schedule. It's hard to have our schedules mesh. And so I said, nope, no excuses. I went down there and I didn't even have to do much. She controlled the interview and just blew everyone away. And I'm so thankful for that. Take a listen to Nikki's story and her battle with cancer in the episode called Thriving with Cancer. Man. So now even a little bit is too is is too much. Wow. Yeah. But so it's a blessing in disguise because I'm type two, you know, yeah. diabetes. So see. That, in that case, we'll allow it. <laughs> we'll yes. allow it. Yes. My goodness, though. I'm that I'm not gonna let you let that down though. Unsweetened tea. Mm-hmm. You you choose that over some good old sweet tea. Wow. I mean, yeah, you can put a little bit of sugar in there. But I had a lot of people um, at work, like, also asking me about um, cancer or, well, well, chemo. And, you know, I had one person who, um, he was, he's kind of a prick and he's kind of, he was kind of um, downplaying it, but it was just out of sheer ignorance. Um, Didn't understand the magnitude of the cumulative effect and impact that chemo can have on the person. And so I said, it's like a hurricane hitting a town every Friday. Okay. So a hurricane comes through, hits the town. The first time it hits, okay, the town is in shambles, but you feel like you can rebuild it. Okay. So you start to rebuild your town. And then what? The next Friday comes, hurricane hits again. So it destroys more of your town, plus what you started to rebuild. So this happens every Friday. Is your rebuilding efforts able to keep up with the frequency of the hurricane's arrival? No. No. So sooner rather than later, what you end up having is a decimated town by way of hurricanes. And your efforts to rebuild or rebuild are pretty much wasted. Mm-hmm. That is what chemo does on my body. My body is the town. So the way you uh, you explain the town having to rebuild your town after a disaster hits mm-hmm. every week and you're not able to keep up with that. I think that most of our, the listeners are probably naive to that uh, and they feel that maybe it's something that you can sleep off. There is no way. I have to admit, I, I was naive to that. I didn't know the magnitude of what you were going through. I knew it was bad, but I didn't know until, you know, just watching you having to deal with yeah, it. Because you're just like, man, this, you're is, not, this is for real. You're not left with anything because the chemo kills the bad cells, which that's what we want. Right. But it also kills your, your good cells, which is what you need to rebuild. Mm-hmm. Now your good cells, obviously they can be regenerated, but not really with the chemo. Mm-hmm. Once you're done with chemo, yes, then you you know you reflourish, right? But while you're undergoing it, no, which is why you pretty much don't have an immune system. Um, there are times where I was told, okay, your white blood cell count is um, I can't remember if it's high or low, but basically, I didn't have an immune system, so right. you need to not go anywhere, stay indoors, blah 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 blah, 
all that stuff. Because if you get an infection, you don't have anything to fight off. Precisely. And There's that, nothing to fight off with. That's what scares me about yes. chemo. That is the worst part of it to me when I, I'm looking at it on paper. Yes. I'm like, so what do I have to fight with now? You don't have anything. You know, you're, you're mm -hmm. totally out on an island by yourself. Mm -hmm. Trying to just... Once again, you don't have any kind of control over that. Right. Your so, but what out. you can control is your response. Okay. Your mental health faculties need to be on point. Your emotional response needs to be on point. And so that's what, that's what I um, took away from this whole um, health ordeal, if you will. Um, I remember reading um, someone's comment in uh, the uh, the breast cancer group that I'm in, and she was it was so sad because she couldn't get the treatment because she didn't have health insurance and she was on Medicaid and it just was such a long time for her to get mm -hmm. like the to the appointment and it just really um, resonated with me because I'm like wow you know at least I have you know, good health insurance. Yes. And I, I can go and get this treatment and she can't. It was so sad. And so I was like, I need to look at this a different way. So instead of dreading going to my appointments, I started to say, I started to hype myself up. I get to go get treatment today, you know, because it's such a blessing. It's such a privilege to be able to get treated because there's other people who don't have the option to do so. So doing that, um, I think it just, I just changed my outlook and that's what I had control over. And so I would come into um, my chemo appointments, you know, happy and, and jolly. And it wasn't fake. Like it wasn't a fake happiness. I wasn't putting on a brave face or a brave front. That was truly how I felt on the inside, you know, because I, I, I did have to do some self-reflecting and be like, you know what? I am in a privileged spot. I, I, I'm blessed, right? I'm still here. I'm not gone. I'm able to get treatment. It's, it's a stage two, which is curable, you know, or treatable, if you mm -hmm. will. Um, so I don't have anything to complain about. Plus you had your, your, um, your leadership team at yes. work supporting you. Yes. I mean, you had a lot of flexibility that right. some people may not have, right. you know, so that is excellent though, because one thing we always say on the site beyond site podcast is this one of the most difficult things for any human to do on this earth is to take a real look in that mirror and assess what they're truly looking at. And then not just do that, but then to make those changes that they see. It's easy for us to look at that reflection and then look away or not even look in the mirror at all. That's true. But for you to, to look in the mirror and say, you know what? I really don't have anything to, to complain about and to really change your perspective. That's, that's the, that is the exact reason why Sight Beyond Sight exists. And finally, we ended the season with a topic that is personal to me because I take pride in being called a father. In the episode, The Secret to Being a Great Father, I tell all you freshwater warriors the secret to being a great father.
But there is one opportunity that a father cannot miss. You must not miss this opportunity. You must take this opportunity and run with it at all costs. It's an all or nothing type of opportunity. There are no redos and it is a must have experience for all you fathers. So let's hear more about this opportunity. But there's never a good time. I mean, there's never a, a perfect time, I should say. There's never a perfect time to have a child. It's scary. You are responsible for that little baby. I mean, totally responsible. They cannot do anything without you. They cannot feed themselves. They cannot change themselves. They cannot provide their meals. They can't do any of that. They can't change their own clothes. They can't do anything without you. They can't move without you. That's a scary thought. <laughs> that is a scary thought. I remember I had never held a baby before. I'd never held a baby before I had my own. That was a crazy thought. That's I was thinking, man, I've never changed a diaper. I've never held a baby. I was always scared to hold a baby. I thought I was going to crush him. Then finally, when I had my firstborn, I had to get over that and I had to act like I was a pro, like I had done it before. And I did the only thing I knew. I know how to carry a football. And that's the same way I held all of my kids. I just do the football tuck and it seems to work. And you know what? I operate under the same guys and the same guidelines and rules of football. You just don't fumble, you high and tight. That's how I hold a baby. That's how I hold any baby. Holding, I hold them high and tight. That way I know I'm not gonna fumble. So the last thing you want to say is, hey, man, I fumbled your baby. It's not going to go over very well for you. That situation is not going to end well for you. So for all you fathers that have never held a baby, and if you've held a football, high and tight. Tuck the head into the crease of your elbow. Hold their bottom as if you're holding a football, get a nice little security right there, high and tight. The baby's going nowhere. They're comfortable. You have eye contact, they see you. It's brilliant, 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 brilliant. That's just my strategy though. That's my strategy, all right? Like I said, if you don't play football and you don't know how to hold a football, I suggest that you do something else, do something else. But it was scary. I did not know how to hold a baby. I've never fed a baby. A lot of us have been in those positions. It was just something I never done. I never babysat. I never did that. You know, if we had to stay home with the siblings, I mean, it wasn't babysitting. We were all pretty self-sufficient. We were all close in age that I didn't have to change diapers or anything like that. This was all new. But it's scary, but I'm telling you, I promise you, it is the best thing that will ever happen to you. 
I want you to think of it like this. Fathers, we get it. It's kind of cruel. There's one perk that we get that is totally cruel and rude, but it's awesome as a father. And so do not deny it and do not miss your opportunity for this. Okay. Think about it like this. The mother carries the child for nine months. Okay. Taking care of the child. Going through the struggles of, of feeling the discomfort of having another human life form growing inside of you. Watching your body transform. They have to go through all of that. They have to watch their diet. They're thinking about the weight that they've gained. They're going through the sickness. They're going through all the doctor's appointments, getting pricked and drawing blood and getting examined and all that stuff. They got to go through all of the pains and ups and downs of pregnancy. And then fast forward to giving birth. The woman has to go through the, probably the most excruciating pains on earth to deliver this baby. And they do all of this for nine months to go through such pain for us as fathers to be the first ones to see that child being born. Let me say that again. As a father, we are the first ones to see our child being born after the mothers have gone through so much for nine months to deliver that baby. It's not fair. <laughs> Seems kind of cruel. But man, it is something special that you cannot take away. And you do not want to take that away from yourself by not being present. That is a gift. That's a gift. Your child is going to see you first in this world. You're going to hold them and you're going to they're going to hear your voice. You're the first one to see that. You cut the cord. You hear the cries and see the cries. In some cases, you're the one to hold the baby and hand the baby over to mother. You are the first one. That's special. That's a one and done. You don't get any redos on that. Wow. Looking back, I did not realize how much we covered over the second season. I mean, we covered a lot of different topics. We were I won't say all over the place, but we ran the gamut of dealing with life's issues as they enter into our lives. And how awesome is that? We have had discussions where you can look back and you can take some of this information and you can apply it to your own life. And you can take from different perspectives from all over the world and say, you know what, this might not work for me, but I understand why they did this. Uh, but I can take this part of this uh, situation or this part of this thought process and apply it to my own. And how awesome is that? All we are trying to do 
has become stronger as a person, stronger as a group, stronger as a collaborative of freshwater warriors trying to make a difference in this world, trying to soften up the hardened hearts that are lingering in this world. We are trying to be the change uh, that we desire in this world. We are simply being the fresh water that heals in a salty environment. And how awesome is that? I cannot thank you guys enough for being a part of the Sight Beyond Sight podcast, being a part of the Freshwater Warrior family. I'm telling you, we are growing daily. We are growing by the hour. We are growing by the minute. And we're only getting stronger. And I can only thank you guys for continuing to support the cause support the mission of instilling hope in this world. This world can be pretty hopeless if you um, rely on the news, rely on social media, rely on your friends, rely on everyone else to supply some hope. But we have to be that hope as we are walking through our neighborhoods, as we're living in our communities, as we're walking through our school buildings, as we're walking through our, our places of employment and everything that we do. We have to be that vessel of hope. And I'm telling you, it is growing and it's growing and it's growing. Now, people may look down on you. They may call you names. They may say that you are foolish for walking around trying to instill hope in the hopeless, for being positive when everybody's telling you to be negative, for for striving for change when everybody's saying, no, we're fine just where we're at, for thriving to soften up these hardened hearts when people say they cannot change why would you even try people are going to talk down to you but just know that you have a family right here a family full of freshwater warriors fighting the same cause so do not be discouraged do not give up remain hopeful and keep taking those strides forward We know that adversity is waiting for us. We know that people do not want us doing what we're doing, which is, once again, it baffles me. The thought that people want to remain hopeless, the thought that people cannot stand the idea of everyone having some hope to thrive in their life, for everyone to be heading down the path of peace, love, and joy. Unfathomable to think that people would say, I don't want any part of that. However, we have a plan for them as well. And we have to kill them with kindness. We have to kill them with consistency. And we have to make sure that we are in the business of healing and not hurting. And remember that we are always, always thriving to be the fresh water that heals in a salty environment. And that's all we can do. We're not talking about being perfect. That's what they will say, that we're trying to be perfect or we think that we're perfect. It is not about that. But what we are trying to do is thrive and be perfect in how we treat each other. I cannot thank you guys enough for this second season. This third season is just going to take off and I cannot wait. I love you guys and I thank you for the support. Keep doing what you're doing. Until we meet again, my friends.